Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to New York's Finest Retired and Unfiltered Podcast. Join us while we explore the life and experiences of those that at one time held a front row ticket to the greatest show on earth, policing the streets of New York City. The mission of this podcast is to improve relations between citizens and law enforcement through honest civil discourse. We give our audience, retired members of the service, to ask questions on current and past events and get real unfiltered answers and opinions. Go in-depth into the life and careers of our guests. Look inside the diverse lives of retired members of the NYPD. Please tune in each week and like and subscribe to hear true crime stories and opinions like you've never heard them before. Attention to roll call. I would like to dedicate this episode to police officer Cecil Sledge, a 12-year veteran of the NYPD 69th Precinct who was killed in the line of duty. Police officer Sledge served this country honorably in the United States Army during the Vietnam War. On Monday, January 28, 1980, Cecil was shot and killed while performing solo patrol when he attempted to stop an armed robbery suspect who was recently paroled. The parolee was released early from prison for a previous conviction of robbing an elderly woman in knife point. His murderer was sentenced to 25 years to life and is now again eligible for parole. I ask all who listen to this podcast, please take one minute of your day, go online to www.nycpba.org, go to the section labeled Cop Killers, and send a letter asking the parole board to deny Cecil's murderer and other cop killers parole. This will take no more than one minute of your time. Cecil is survived by his wife and his two children. He was 35 years old. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Welcome to New York's Finest Retired Unfiltered Podcast. I'm here with my boy, Peter Anthony. Uh, you guys are probably familiar with him on Twitter. Pete, what's your Twitter handle for everybody? Uh, that's it, Peter. Yep. Yeah, 96. Peter 96. So, you know, you, you probably see him. Anyone that follows me on, on Twitter, you've definitely seen him before. Um, you know, before we start, I just want to go over just something real quick. A lot of got cop killers are coming back up on parole. Uh, a good friend of mine's father was killed as a cop. Um, he was the guy I dedicated this episode to, uh, police officer Cecil Sledge. His uh, killer is coming back up for parole again. He was actually out on parole when he murdered my friend's father. Um, he left behind, a, you know, a young son, a young daughter. He left behind a wife. Um, and there's numerous cop killers coming up for parole right now. New York City Parole Board is horrific. They've been letting guys ridiculous. go. Absolutely ridiculous. So I'm just asking everybody, if you could just do us a favor, it's one minute. Just go to www.nycpba.org. Uh, you know, the PBA did a great job. You're going to go there. You're going to see a link that says keep cop killers in jail. Um, it's labeled cop killers. You click on it. Um, it'll be a pre-written out letter. All you got to do is just put your name, your name, your date of birth, your zip code. Doesn't matter if you live in New York City or you don't. And you could either just do it for Cecil Sledge, but I recommend you do it for all the, the cop killers that are coming up on parole. Um, so, you know, so uh, I thank you guys for that. So on this episode, I'm bringing, I'm interviewing Peter Anthony. Peter's 59 years old. He grew up in Ozo Park, Queens. Peter's of Italian descent. 
Uh, his father immigrated here as a child to escape Mussolini. His mother was, bo- was born here, but her parents immigrated here. Peters retired from the from the transit security division. Uh, in total, he served 23 years as a transit cop, starting with the transit police pre-merger with the NYPD. Uh, for those of you who, fam- who are familiar, and those of you who don't, in 1995, um, when that merger happened, Peter stayed with the transit authority. Um, that merge is commonly referred to as the hostile takeover. Right. right, is that's what they call it, right? Like they, yep, you know, the, the hostile takeover, <laughs> and and it was you, it was you guys, and and housing, right? It was both of you at once. Yes, yeah, that's what uh, it was uh, under Giuliani's uh, uh, mayorship. He he decided to, uh, to, I guess it was a money issue, and he decided to link uh, transit and housing with the NYPD. And I also believe at the same time he linked the the school security. And the traffic agents under the NYPD as well at the same. It might not be the exact same year, but he did that as well. Yeah, it was all right around the same time, right? For those of you who yeah. remember the brownies and then they moved them over. Right, right, the brownies. <laughs> That's what they used to get called. Uh, but uh, just back to Pete, I just want to give you a little a little of him. He, uh, Peter also served this country um, honorably in the United States Army. He served both active and then when his active time was up. He, he served in reserves. You know, he's totaled 20 years of service as well in our armed forces. He was deployed four times. He served in Bosnia. Bosnia. He was in Kosovo during 9-11 and even in Iraq. Um, he continues to serve as a member of the honor guard. He honors veterans who passed away at their funerals. Um, he continues to live in Ozone Park, Queens, where, where you were born and raised. That, that's correct? That is it. That is it. You were born and raised. He's still there. He's married. He's a father. He's a grandfather. Um, Peter's bloodlines in service. Uh, his father served in the Navy. He served in the Army, and his co- his sons currently served in the armed forces. Right, both of you. Both uh, uh, no, they're both out now. They. My oldest son served in the Marine Corps. My other son served in the Army. Uh, they both got a job. This is what's another great thing about uh, New York City. The trade unions have a program called Helmets to Hard Hats. And they take, if they're going to hire, say, 50 people, they take 25 veterans. And my sons are now in the Carpenters Union, local 45, to the Helmets to Hardhead program. Great program that the trade unions in New York City do. Awesome. Yeah. And they, they that's exactly what should happen, right? They, they serve right. our country. Take care of veterans. Right. Take care of them, right? They, they uh, you know, they, they're upstanding citizens. They serve their country. They put their lives on the line for very little money. And they're starting from scratch. You know, I didn't serve in the armed forces. My father did. But, you know, I had four I had three, four years on, on guys that did. Right. Because I was already right. in the working field. Um, these guys are going out there. They're risking their life. They're going across seas. So, you know, I thank you. I thank your father. I thank your sons for, for your service. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. You know, and, um, you know. You know, but Peter, like I got to know Peter on Twitter. He's a legit New Yorker. He's a patriot. He's what New York was. You know, he loves New York City. He loves this country. He's an outspoken guy. You know, if any of you guys follow him on Twitter, he weighs in on everything. He talks all over the board, you know, global issues, local issues, uh, 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 nationwide issues. You know, he's unafraid to give his opinion and ask a question. 
Pete's a true representation of New York City when men were men. He reminds me of the guys like my father, the guys I grew up around, regular working class guys, you know, real people. They're not trying to win your vote. They're not trying to sell you anything. They just want to make their community better and leave everything better than they found it. I, I honestly, I enjoy interacting with you very much on Twitter. Uh, Same know, here, John. You know, yep. and I, I know people are going to love listening to you, Pete. And I really thank you for taking the time uh, to share your life, your story, and to give the audience a little background, you know. So if you, you just want to give me anything, if I missed anything, if there's anything you want to add about yourself that you think everybody should know, you know, and then uh, I'm going to get in. I'm going to start asking you some questions about, you know, we're going to go right yeah, from no. <clears throat> You covered everything uh, good about uh, my uh, boring life. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we, we can start whatever you want, whenever you're ready. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, your life definitely not boring, dude. I, you know, I'm going to say right now, like you're more interesting than, than celebrities, man. You serve this country, you serve this city. You grew up in New York city at a different time than I did. You grew up in New York city. You know, we were in a recession. We were in a high crime area. Could you tell us about your youth, your experience growing up? Yeah. So New York city at the time in the seventies was bad. And I grew up in a neighborhood which was uh, pretty much Italian-American. You know, you had uh, Irish, you know, but it was controlled by the mob, the mafia. And uh, probably one of the safest neighborhoods in the uh, in the city at the time because that's how it was. You know, the mob controlled the neighborhood. They controlled the law and order. <laughs> they, they had their own law and order. And the city... Um, the streets were disgusting. I, I don't, I don't. So I grew up in Ozone Park, which literally one and a half miles away was East New York and the projects, the pink houses. I don't know if you're familiar, right? Yep. The pink houses are terrible. And you would go through East New York, Brooklyn, and the houses were burnt down. The neighborhoods looked like some war zone. And it was terrible. New York City graffiti all over the trains. And it went on like that for almost two decades, you know, all through my high school years. You know, early and uh, it was terrible. Uh, you know, neighborhoods. You know, the Bronx. You know it, right? You saw those neighborhoods in Brooklyn, and they were terrible. And right. I <laughs> we're know. basically going back to that now. Yeah, and at the time you grew up, like, when were you a teenager? Was that the seventies or the eighties? Yeah. So what? So I graduated high school in nineteen eighty-one. So pretty much the seventies is really my. Growing up as a kid, you know, running around the neighborhood, you know, <laughs> doing stupid stuff. And uh, I, I went into high school in 1977. And uh, as you know, in New York City high schools, they, you know, they bust in other kids from other neighborhoods. Uh, went to riots, you know, uh, not like, it, you know, there was no uh, metal detectors as you see now in the city schools. But, you know, kids had knives, kids had, we fought maybe with, you know, sticks or whatever. And I had, I had my share of racial uh, fights because sometimes you had no choice. You couldn't, you couldn't show the neighbor that you were like, you know, a little bitch or something. So you had to do what you had to do, you know. Uh, fortunate enough to have a football coach that looked after me. And I was fortunate enough to have not only my parents, but my wife. We were dating since high school and she sort of set me straight, which was one of the reasons why I joined the army when I graduated high school. 
So you, you went in the army right out of high school. So your, your high school experience, like, you know, I, I know you said you lived in a safer neighborhood, but like you couldn't really go walk around into a different neighborhood, stuff like that. And when you did, there was a problem, right? Like well, it, neighborhoods with, with territories it, and it had nothing to do with black or white. It could have been, you went to the Irish neighborhood in broad channel, you know, and, you went to the other, the Polish neighborhood up in Woodhaven, the German, and that's the way it was. Everybody turf was, if you want to say like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah, you had absolutely. a wife. You had you had to go into a neighborhood, and if you weren't in, you didn't live in that neighborhood. It, you know, you'd be ready to fight somebody. You know, yeah, that's how absolutely. it was. And uh, growing up, like, what was what was it like with the police? Because I I grew up on the Giuliani. I grew up. I if the if the the sun turned dark. I mean, if the if the sun went down and I was playing basketball, they were rushing in, bum rushing us, giving us summonses. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what was it like when you were a kid? Were you, like, so the cops were no bullshit. You did what they said, or you're getting cracked. You know, there was no, they didn't care. You were white, black. I tell you a quick story, and I don't know how I don't know it was. Maybe I was like 14, 15. We had a curfew in our park. Drugs were running rampant in the seventies, and the neighborhood had enough and the cops would come in and they would seven o'clock at night in the summertime, everybody out of the park. So you're familiar with New York city parks on the outside. Sometimes they have those cement checkerboards, you know, the chest things. <laughs> so me and my friends, cause we're tough guys, you know, we're sitting there drinking our beers and two of, the, two of the cops come around and they say, we told you to get out of the park. So, you know, we're not in the park. What are you talking about? Cop says, I'm coming back around. And if you're still here, you're going to pay the price. We don't leave because we're tough guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they come back around the park and they see us sitting on the benches. We're not inside the park. We're outside the park. Big Irish cop comes over to me, says, you little fucks. I told you to get out. And I'm like, yeah, what are you talking about? He cracks me with the nightstick right on my chin here, bleeding all over the place. You think I go home? I don't go to home and tell my mother that I got hit by the cop, but that's how it was. You did what they said and that's it. You did not, you know, as you know, as we're seeing what's happening today, it's ridiculous. But back then, especially in my neighborhood, the cops ruled the neighborhood and the mob also ruled the neighborhood. I think they went hand in hand. I don't want to make any accusations, but you know, yeah, it was a, it was a different era. It was a different time in New York City. There was, you know, there was a lot of craziness going on and people lived differently in neighborhoods. Right. There was a, again, like I said, dude, you're, you're like a throwback because, you know, I always said when I was a kid, if I if I walked around at 165 pounds and I was working out as a young kid, if I walked out around 165 pounds, yeah, I was in shape. I was, I, you know, I had a little bit more muscle than the rest of the kids. I played football. I played basketball. I did all these things. If I walked around and thought I was tough or stared at all the guys, I would get checked so quick. Right. It wasn't funny. You know what I mean? And I learned how to interact with people because I right. learned how to know my place in society yep. and how to deal with people that could, hand me my ass in two seconds without a doubt you know, you know and, John, yeah I, I say this all the time i call everybody a quiffer right <laughs> <laughs> the problem with half these people is they never got smacked around in the park like you're yep. saying what you you know you're 12 13 14 maybe some 17 year old kid hanging out in the park they'll come home and smack you around right 
Absolutely. That's the way it was, right? The neighborhood kept everybody in check. And that's today, uh, please. I mean, we can go on and on, you know? Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's, you know, and we'll get into that in New York City and what's going on. But that's, you know, that's that's a big thing, right? Like, that's a, yep. that's something that I see is, like, that there aren't strong neighborhoods. There aren't strong communities. No. There's not a lot of strong men anymore. And, no. and, and even families and even the women, like you said, you wouldn't go home and tell your mother that you got stopped by. You just... The cop smacked you in the face with a knife to hit your face off the thing and you, you bleed it and you're like, oh, what, what you tell? I fell. You know, you're not going to tell yeah, your mother because exactly. she's going to kick your ass, too. You know, and yeah, without a doubt. So so you grow up there. You know what? I know your dad served. Was that your main reason for joining the military? No. Like, what were you thinking at that time? No, I was I was in trouble. I was getting in trouble. And I uh I walked to the, I, it was, I don't forget what it was. It was sometime in my, my uh, senior year. I walked to the recruiting station on Liberty Avenue on Leffitts Boulevard. And I says, I want to join the army. The sergeant says, well, how old are you? I said, I'm 17. He goes, well, you can't join. You got to get your mother's permission unless you're 18, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I, I saw myself like, what am I doing with myself? You know, I, yeah. Uh, and I said, I got to do something. I'm not going to, I don't want to wind up like these guys in my neighborhood, you know? And uh, like I said, I was fortunate. I had good parents. My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, you know, I, and I had a good family, you know, all around, not just my mother and father, but everybody. But, but I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, you know? And I, I just thought I'm going to, you know, people don't join the army, except maybe after 9-11 for patriotic yeah. reasons. Most people join the army because there's no other out, you know? Uh, so mine was just, I, I wanted to, I wanted to get on course. I wanted to make my life better. Yeah. No, I mean, my, my father did the same thing. You know, uh, my father's dad died. He, my father grew up on the Lower East side and in the projects, his father passed away when he was 10, his mother, you know, she had she had mental illness and he had a brother that had a good job. So he he went to the military because he was getting in trouble, you know, he, right. and, and that's why he joined. And that's he said it, he told me exactly that he, that he 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 didn't want me to join because he was like, I did that. I went to Vietnam. Right. I did that. Um, you don't got to do that. Um, but that's what he said. It's for guys that you don't have a, another choice. Um, what 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 was that experience like being from New York City? Because now you're with guys from all over the country right like they're like who, who you know who's this it, guy like you know? is, so <laughs> you got to realize 1981 there's no internet there's no nothing right yeah so people whatever they saw of new york is what they saw on tv yep. you know what it was archie bunker uh coach whatever whatever they whatever the shows or movies and uh <laughs> And the, this was the first time, John, that I found out being an Italian that you're not white. Yep. Right. So, and this this was from other white people telling me, and even black people telling me, "Oh shit, you're Italian, you ain't white, whatever." So, being from New York, I got my uh, head handed to me a few times from the drill sergeants, yep. and I had my share of fights with people because I didn't take any shit, even you know, like in the barracks and stuff like that. But again, I'm not saying I'm a tough guy. I got my ass kicked plenty of times in my life, but um, it was, uh, it was funny because the stories, the people would ask you some of the dumbest things. Like this kid asked me one time, uh, what, what, uh, 
I thought you lived in New York, Brazil. He says, because there's my son coming in. He gives me popcorn. Uh, he says, because uh, my mother sent me a picture in, in front, my father in front of the house. It was a tree and grass. He goes, I thought you lived in New York. I said, I do. He goes, he goes, they got grass and trees. I said, well, what do you think it, what do you think it is? It's like, they just think New York is tall buildings and concrete, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. It was, it was, um, I had, I had my experiences, but, uh, I also had, I did what I had. I, I, there was, so when I went in, there was nothing going on. There was no wars. I mean, uh, uh, Grenada had happened. Um, the Marine barracks bombing, but I didn't get involved. I stayed, I was an MP and I, uh, that's what I did. I didn't get to anything except on my deployment. I wasn't a deployment. They didn't call it back then. It was a, a duty station in Germany. Okay. But that was it. I know you were MP there. So is, is that what led you to, like, when were you starting to think at that time? Like, oh, maybe I'll become a cop when I go back. Not like, right away. But but uh, my mother would send me letters and say, oh, the test for the sanitation is coming out. The test for this, the test for the, the police. So I, and, uh, I, so I took all those tests, you know? Well, are you and overseas? They, uh, no, 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 no. I took my mother, uh, I, uh, sort of military people don't uh, aware. So if you tell them you're taking a test for a job or whatever, they, they would give you time. But, um, I had taken, I forgot what, what I, t- I think in 83, I took the, the PD test. And when I got called to go for like all the investigations and stuff, I was still in the army. My mother got so nervous. She didn't know who to call. She called my cousin, who was a detective at the time in the 105. And I don't know. He must have called somebody. They put me on like a military hold. When I came back, it was like I started all over again. But um, that's what it is. And then when I, when I was getting towards the end, I said, shit, I hope this happens. I get called because then at least I'll have a job. But I didn't get it right away, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Because it took some time. And I, and I actually, I, f- I failed the psychological part the first time. It was funny because my investigator, who was a Vietnam vet and an MP, he goes, how the hell did you fail it? He goes, Every, everybody on the goddamn job is a, is a MP, you know. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he he said, "No, nah, I'm going to set you up with another one." And I don't know, he must have set me up with somebody he knew. <laughs> and then that was it, you know. No, I mean that you know I I got lucky on the psych. I'll tell you because I had gotten in trouble. I got arrested twice when I was a kid before I became a cop. And my brother-in-law at the time was a cop. Well, he's still my brother-in-law. He was married to my older sister. My sisters are older than me. I was a mistake. But he told me before <laughs> I went in that psych, he was like, "Yes and no. Don't yeah. a- don't answer." questions don't give them more than they need to know and 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 don't tell them bullshit right he's like you don't really drink they don't need to know if you drink once or twice on the weekend and so he kind of coached me or else i could see myself you know i go in there's a young pretty girl there she's like uh she was asking me these questions she's like oh do you have any weird sexual preferences i was like what do you mean what's weird and then she got shy she's like all right skip next question do you drink no you know uh, do you have any weird uh dreams no Everybody has weird dreams, yeah, right? So exactly. you probably just did that. You probably just talked too much. Because yeah. right? <laughs> there's no there's, there's no psych eval in the in the army. You just you take yeah, the yeah. ASVAB test, and then it, it you have a score, and then it tells you what job you qualified. And the when I went into the recruiting station, and after I took my ASVAB, the guy says, "What do you want to do?" I said, "I have no idea." 
He goes, well, you scored pretty good on the ASVAB because here's a couple of jobs I think might be good for you. And one of them was military police. So I said, all right, I'll do that. You know, yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's um, so it's, it's it's law and order, you know, but in the military, you got to learn everything. Right. There's no such thing as ESU housing or whatever, you know, COs, there's no corrections. You do everything as an MP. So you could be stationed in a in a prison. You could be, you know, you could be on a on the post and doing law and order, you know, things like that. So you learn everything about the UCMJ, just like you do in the police department, you learn the laws and everything and all of that. And then uh, then they tra- the training is intense. And this is one of the reasons why I think they should change training especially in the nypd because they i think they need they need more training these people are soft it's just ridiculous but anyway um i really enjoyed it i i you know i i felt good about myself I, you know like uh, you know i didn't abuse my authority but i liked it you know it was it was the first time in my life where i was feeling good and and being um rewarded for something for doing something good you know yeah, yeah, part uh, of a team, right? I, Having structure, all that, right? That was good. Yeah, absolutely. It was good. What What would you say? I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but what would you say was like a big thing at the training that you noticed between the training you received in the military to be an MP to the training you received in the police department? So, I don't know how much it's changed from when I went to the academy. They don't deal with enough hand to hand combat. Like, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to, they teach you all the things. And back then they did. They taught you the so-called chokehold and all of that stuff. Uh, they took, uh, yeah. you dealt with a lot of uh, um, uh, riot control. Uh, more, it was more how to deal with uh, preventing stuff happening than it is like waiting for something to happen. Um, you're, you're doing more of, don't forget now you're a military police, so you're 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 policing other military. Yeah. You know, somebody who could be trained just as good or even better than you in anything. You know, so you gotta know, you know, you're not dealing with some stupid idiot that just got into a fight in a bar or you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, so, yeah, no, you're dealing with a guy at the at the peak of his physical fitness, yeah. at, at right. his mental acuity. So, like, yeah, the right. guys the guys He's a killing machine, right? That's what, yeah, you yeah, know. No, I mean, yeah. yeah, you could be dealing with some special, I'm not, and I never did, but I'm saying like, but that's yeah, yeah. potential, right? You could be dealing with some special forces guy who yeah, yeah. blink his eyes and you're down for the count. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. Um, the, uh, and the, tra- what I, and the training is, is nonstop. You're doing physical training. You're doing scenarios out. They actually bring you out into an area, you know, with buildings, like search a building, how to, how to, how to uh, get people out of a, a hostage situation and, but you do it, you know, it's not like you stay in the, at the Academy and there's sh- that you go in a classroom or whatever, or in the gym and you pretend you with the guy, you know, one of the instructors over there, everything's a scenario, a live scenario in a sense, you know, that you go into a mock neighborhood with buildings and stuff and, and they throw a scenario out at you and they teach you how to, you know, how to handle it and things like that. So, uh, those are the things I think they train you better as. So when you come into the, even I call it like at the time, uh, civilian police department, I'm already ahead of the game in a sense, in a sense, you know. No, but, absolutely, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I also think people like you and I 
who grew up in neighborhoods and live the neighborhood and, and are the neighborhood, we better cops because we know how to talk to people, right? You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I don't know how to explain. I mean, we know how to talk to people. We can read people. You know, we, you don't have to be in the military to know that. Like, you know, we grew up in, so we do certain things as a, as a neighborhood guy that maybe some kid from Long Island don't know how to do, you know what I mean? I mean, listen, you, you grow up in the city, and like I said, you got to learn to make your way in the city, right? You're dealing right. with thousands of people, right? I, mean, I wanted to go play. There's no cell phones. There's no right. nothing. I walked into a park full of kids. Sometimes it was a park. I didn't know anybody, right? Like, right. I, And, and yeah. these kids are already, they're already like, there's people like, who's this kid? Who's that? You know, and you right. got to learn how to interact. So having those numerous interactions constantly yep. and learning how to deal with all different types of people in all different communities, you yep. know, you, you know, you definitely like, I feel like that I had ahead of the game, but when I went into the Academy and I, you know, I was young, I was, uh, like I said, it's 22 turning 23. Right. And now I had these kids that were in the military for like six years coming out. They were good. They were good shots. They, uh, you know, like physically fit. Mm-hmm. I was always physical because I was in sports. So I was pretty right. good with that. Like they didn't have that up on me, but they were, they were really good at their shooting. Like they, you know, they were dead. They were marksmen already. And they were a lot more mature than I was, you know, I was still yeah. like a young, stupid punk. And, you know, a lot, I learned a lot from the, the guys that were my age, but they were in the military. They were like, Oh, yeah. don't let that bother you. It's just bullshit. You know? Yeah. And, and like, you know, like kind of, and my brother-in-law told me that too, like, don't have an ego, you know, yeah. really be humble. And, and, and that helped me, but those guys helped me a lot. And, and most of the guys that I stayed around with, and even the guys I'm still friends with today, all the military guys, cause I feel like they just had a better head on their shoulders. They were more mature. They were already men when I was still hanging out like an idiot. And, and then I, I got lucky enough to get on the police department and I was still kind of immature. And then like the job kind of matured me like quick, it yeah. happened quick, you know, I went from Without like, a, you know, but, but the military guys definitely had one up on me 100%, you know? Yeah. Um, um, so, so what, so, so you take the test and at the time you take the test, you could go in anything, right? You could go because it was it was broken up in three. You're either going the police department, you're going at the the housing police, or you're going in the transit police. Right. So um, my cousin was already in transit, and, okay. And he said to me, when they ask you to who wants to go, raise your hand, go to transit, and I'll get you with me. You know, and he was in District Thirty Three in okay. Brooklyn. Yep. So sure enough, yeah, I'm going. You know, and that's it. And then. Uh, you uh, you stay a little longer in the academy because there's a lot more you got to learn when you're transit because you got to learn the tracks you got to learn all kinds of stuff that you know uh, as opposed to being uh, NYPD or maybe and housing I'm sure they had to learn different stuff too you know but but we had to go to uh, uh, where the hell's that school it's over by Spumoni Gardens there's a transit tech school over there and we had to go learn things we had to learn the train tracks we had to learn the switch all this stupid stuff that we never used. You know, yeah, Avenue X, right? Avenue, Avenue X, that's yeah, where yeah, ranges. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's, yeah, what, yeah, that's, yeah. That's where NYPD range still is. It's yeah, in yeah. a transit so, facility. So that was, right there. Yeah, that was a trend. That was, uh, right, it's a transit tech or something like that, right? And uh, and then that was it. And then I went in and then, uh, uh, yeah, 95. And then, so then I got in and then my cousin got promoted to lieutenant because one of his rabbis was a captain, but then he went into, uh, the security at two Broadway, which is the main office for the transit authority um, in Manhattan. Okay. And then when the merger was coming, I get my cousin says, Hey, why don't you, uh, 
you can stay with Transit. Come with me and Dougie, and you know, you work. We'll do the um, the security division, and we'll do all kinds of stuff. It'll be good. I said, all right, whatever. <clears throat> it wasn't nothing uh, I had to worry about because it, I was still in the Transit Authority. Because when you're a Transit cop, you're in the, you work for the New York City Transit Authority. Yep. You know, uh, and then that's how it was back then. So, uh, and that was it. I stayed in there and I did, uh, I actually had, I actually, had, I, I did good. I really liked it because we did a lot of stuff. You know, we, we did, uh, you know, we did a lot of fair evasion, even more so to the extent. Um, and then uh, I decided I'm going to go back into the reserves. And I went back into the reserves in 1998. Because I was, so you, it, you I was, had a break then. So, but, oh yeah, oh, I didn't realize that. I thought you stayed yeah, yeah, straight. Yeah. No, you, you no, break no, off. no. So what happened was, I'm talking to one of these guys. He was he was uh, in the reserves, and he goes, "P, why don't you go go back into the reserves?" He goes, "You get time off from here. You you could do." It. So like, who's going to take me? I said, "I'm like, I said, I'm not going to go back to basic training." No, you don't have to go back. So I I got it in my head now, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go to recruiter one day. And I asked him, he goes, yeah, you can come back in. He goes, what was your MOS? MOS is your job. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right? So he goes, uh, not MOS in the NYPD, but MOS military. He goes, oh, he goes, yeah. He goes, uh, so I went. I had to lose weight. I had to do all the training. I went. My wife thought I was nuts. And I did. I went back in. And um, lo and behold, I didn't think I was going to do all those deployments, but I did. Yeah. And, you know, so- but... No, no. I mean, I, I mean, you know, that that's that's the thing. Like, I know a lot of guys that stayed on or did what you did, and you know, they did it like for the other opportunities. And and really, another thing is the money. Like, some of the guys really needed the money. They had families, and they're like, I could yeah. use, I could use the extra. It wasn't that much money, but I could use the oh, extra fifteen. I could use the extra fifteen hundred a month or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly what it was in my thing, but it was it was around there. It was yeah. like fifteen hundred bucks a month, something like that. Um, and so that's why they went on. And then, you know, unfortunately, like when the conflicts, they would, they, these guys would have to leave, they'd have to leave their family, um, yeah. you know, and then always readjust back into the city and this job. Um, it was, <clears throat> I'll tell you, John. Um, so in night, uh, 99, go to Bosnia and, uh, did a nine month deployment, come home, you know, get myself back. Then in 2001, I get, well, I got promoted. So you can't stay in the same unit. You have to go to another unit where they have, they call it a billet, where they have, you know, if you get promoted, they got to have space for you. I go to another uh, MP unit, all in New York. It's not like I'm leaving New York, but uh, now we're going (laughs) to, we're going to Kosovo. So where the fuck is Kosovo? I had no idea. We left in May of 2001. And we were supposed to come home in November of 2001, which we did. But in the meantime, 9-11 happens. While I'm in Kosovo, it was, uh, we were on patrol and they, they have it. They come over to a, all the U S troops, uh, get to the base camps, get to the base camps. And we get there. And so we're a reserve unit from New York and they put us in this like building and they told us what happened. And they said, and right at that moment, John, I felt like somebody punched me in the stomach. Because I can't fathom, you know, I can't fathom. And if you know, like, 
go how back long before you could get to your wife? How long before you could oh, call it took anybody? About a week. It took about a week because no, but no communications. They told us right off the bat, we can't get any communications. Nothing's working. So you don't know. I mean, uh, other than guys that I knew from work, I thought maybe, you know, you know, like, you know, you were there and, um, uh, I lost my train of thought, but, um, but it was nine eleven. You're in. You're not even here. You're you're overseas. No, we're, like, we're, we're and you know, and again, you can't get in touch with your family. You can't, uh, you know, nothing. It took. Yeah, it was yeah. about about a week. Like we were getting drips and drabs information. Uh, most of the guys in the unit were NYPD cops. I had uh, actually one of the one of the officers, the police, the army officers. He actually was an inspector, and. Um, he was getting some, I don't know how he was getting the intel, but he was, and he was telling everybody like, this is what's happening is what's happening. And, um, Oh, I wanted to tell you, go back a little bit to growing up in New York. So I grew up in Ozone Park and the Causeway bridge. When we were kids, we used to hang out and off of that bridge and go fishing or swimming over there in Jamaica Bay. Every day we see the twin towers, the twin towers to, to New York is not just two buildings to us. It was, I don't know how to explain it. I'm, I'm well, especially for me, I would kids. I would cut out of school with my wife in the, in the springtime, and we we go to the twin towers. You know, we would ride up the elevator. You know, make a day out of it. I don't know. It's just to, so you know. I mean, it's, you every, you know, grew up in, everywhere you went, you saw those towers, no, no matter yeah, where you went. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we so just so real quick, we come home in November like we're supposed to, but they kept us before there was a homeland security. They kept us at security. So I was at the time I was uh, a squad leader and they, the fire department commissioner, which was Von Essen at the time, he, the fire department at Fort, Fort Totten in Queens, yeah. they were using that as their family grievance center or whatever. So they wanted military presence because it's really owned by the New York City Parks Department. The police department has to rule there. The fire, yep. you know, a couple of things over there, but it's really the the guy, the security guard was a parks department guy. They wanted military, so we stood there for about four months. We 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 did rotate, you know. I, I we set it up like the police department with shifts. And yeah, stuff. yeah, so yeah. I'm off, you know, three days here, four days there, you know, and that's how we set. It. They told us you do whatever you want, however you want to do it, but that's. Uh, after 9-11 that's I you know it took me 10 years to go down to ground zero it took me 10 years I couldn't go down there I've, I've still never been I've been on details on the outside of it but I've never been inside I, yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to go in but but um you know how long did it take you to get home like you were you were you were overseas how long did it take you to get home like until you say it took you like 10 15 well, days to talk it's, call hard your wife. To, it's hard to explain when you're a reservist and you get deployed, they put you on active duty. Yeah. And then when you come home, you have to uh, get uh, discharged from active duty. It takes about, but you don't come back to New York. You, you're in Fort Bragg or maybe Fort yeah. Benning, Georgia or somewhere. Uh, so you, it's like you're being discharged out of the Army again, like I did when I did my four years. So you get discharged, then you got a day or two, and then they fly everybody home. Yeah. Uh, we came home. We did come home, like I said, in November. Instead of we thought they were going to keep us, actually, but they did. They sent us home, and then we stayed on active duty in a sense as Homeland Security, which 
wasn't Homeland Security at the time. That's what we yeah. did. So it, it takes. So when you leave the theater, what they call it in theater, it uh, it takes about a, like almost a day of traveling on a plane, yeah. you know, and then you get into wherever, you know, like I said, Fort Benning or something like that, and then you got about another five, seven, eight days there to out process and do all the stuff you got to do. So, yeah. No, so so I mean that that had to be rough, man. Because you know at that time, you know at that time in New York City, I was still, I was still high on New York City. That that was an awful, awful experience. I never thought my whole life that America could even be attacked. I didn't even think that was an option. It wasn't no. one. Of, it wasn't one of those things that was in my head. But we did, and I'll tell you right now, the time that that happened, the guys that were in place the guys that were in my neighborhood, the guys that I knew in the other neighborhoods, the cops, the firemen, the sanitation workers, all these guys. I really, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I wasn't worried that if, if, so, if there was even a, like another assault, another attack, I was like, Hey, listen, right. everybody's ready. Like nobody, yeah, anybody yeah. comes here. Like yep. anybody comes here, anybody wants to start shooting things up. Cause even my father at the time, he's a Vietnam vet. He's like, listen, anything, oh, like, yeah. go, get, go get your sisters. Anything happens, we'll go up on the roof. We'll stop picking people off. You know, like he's like, <laughs> you know, but that's how that was the mentality. There was men in New York City. Like today, that shit happens today. People are running uh, the other way. People are running the other way. People are running the other way. Yeah, you know, we're done. Um, you know I, I, you know, I, it's, it, you know, so like the, as, as vulnerable as I felt at that time, you know, because I was still young. I was, I, was, I was 21. I was 20 turning, I was 20 turning 21. You know, I was young. Um, uh, but as vulnerable as I felt at that time, I still felt a sense of security in the city. I was like, all right, there's other guys willing to stand up. My friends are all like, let's go do something, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it was just, it was a different time in the city. So it was horrible. I can't even imagine what it was like to be away at that point because that had to kill you. You know what I mean? That would, that would kill me too. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, and the fact not knowing, you know, you can't yeah. talk to anybody, you know, you can't get in touch with anybody. That's, that was, wow. uh, that was the worst part. You know, so, but then, you know, then you so, see, get. Yeah, so I, I don't want to back you up too much. I want to get into your career a little bit, but I got to ask you something because you, you, you sparked my brain before when you were talking about that. Because I always said, I'm not white, right? We're not white. Yeah. Italians aren't white. I don't, I'm in right. Florida right now. I don't get looked at like a white guy here. No, I don't, if I walk into Harvard, I don't get looked like a white guy. If nope. I go to a fancy restaurant in Manhattan, I don't get looked like I'm a white guy. You know, um, so... I got to so a couple of things with that, right? You know, in your neighborhood, New York's predominantly Italian neighborhood at that time, right? That's why uh, right. that's why Warren Wilhelm changes his name to De Blasio, right? Yeah, he, yeah, wants, yeah. he wants to be more ethnic. He wants to fit in right. with the minorities, right? Um, you know, and you had a lot of Italians in in politics at the time. Um, but I'll tell you, I so I, I I go on the police department in 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 04, I go on, I go on in 04, I go on two thousand four, um, I get called. And at that time, I like I was kind of frowned upon still to become right, a cop. Right. <laughs> so how was it for you? Like when you became a cop? Like how yeah, was yeah, it? It was, uh, it was uh, well, that for sure. You know, they still I I, I would put my phone because I uh, yeah, right. minority all Irish guys. You know, there was hardly any uh, Hispanics or blacks. You know, especially uh, well, no transit was kind of. Uh, I won't say 50, I would say about 70, 30 at the time, you know, yeah. but, uh, 
all the bosses were, uh, you know, they were all Irish and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so, you know, you get, you, but nobody cared. You, you know, everybody had a nickname. Yeah, of you course. Know, yeah, yeah. You know, Black John, you know, or something like that. You know, we, yeah, yeah. you know, Willie the Cuban, you know, but that, I'm not saying that to be, that's just the way it was. That's and, absolutely. But those guys didn't take offense to it. But, you know, it was like, you know, that, you know, you're talking about two Johns. Oh, oh yeah, Black John. All right, no, no problem. But, you know, John ain't taking offense to it. He's, you know, we're all together. Nobody's going to get upset, you know. And, you know, as we see today, right, <laughs> the whole world is gone. Because oh, you yeah. and I know where we come from. If you don't give a guy a nickname, then you don't, you don't like, like the guy. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? The guy you don't like have him. a nickname. Gotta have exactly. a nickname. You know? Yeah, you don't like But everybody grew up like that in New York City back in those days. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. like you said, right? You you, you might have came from different neighborhoods, but everybody knew the rules. You know, yeah. they all everybody knew the rules, and that's just the way it was. So you went to other neighborhoods and you know, they all knew the rules. You know, the the Spanish guys knew the rules, yeah, the yeah. black, the white guys knew the rules going to this neighborhood. Everybody knew the rules. Yeah. What uh so but but just back to that, do, do do you think like the kids you were hanging out at the time, did you have a problem becoming a cop? Like were they did you break away from your friends at that time or were you still or were you uh, still no, like in the neighborhood? I didn't really uh no no. I no, they I didn't have any problems and they didn't have any problems because uh we were wannabes. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was uh, you know, <laughs> Nobody, none of us had the balls to be a full fledged. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, yeah, yeah. But uh, so I still, so I'm still friends with a lot of guys that I grew up with. As you see, I go to the deli all the time. Those guys I grew up with, you know. That's great. Who's retired retired from here? Who's retired from the fire department? That's who we are. There's no, nobody, you know, there's no, uh, everybody's sister is retired, you know. And that's just what we do. And these guys I grew up with, you know. Yeah, yeah. Would uh, what would you say you learned the most in the military that transitioned over to the police department? Would you say you brought anything from being an MP to the police department, like when you're dealing with people? Well, knowing that there's a a, a rank structure, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I I mean, it's nowhere near like the military, but coming in, knowing there's a rank structure, knowing that, Hey, this is what you got to do. You do what you're told. Nobody asking like that. Ah, what do you mean? I got to go, you know? So I already had that work ethic in a sense, as far as like, and knowing, okay, this is rank structure. I'm not going to, you know, yep. uh, do anything to in disrespect, you know, someone up with a higher rank than me you know oh, so yeah. i had that already the people like maybe people don't understand that in a sense you know maybe you know you can watch movies and stuff about the army or the military and you know there's an officer and all this other stuff but uh but as time goes on <laughs> you see some of these guys i wouldn't follow the candy store you know some of these guys on the job you know what i mean i wouldn't follow them into a candy store and, yeah, yeah, and i absolutely. said you know this guy this guy's a fucking lieutenant this guy's a captain with a fuck you kidding me but it the difference is in the military, when you get promoted, you're earning that promotion. You know, absolutely. You, you have to go to school to training, to be a leader, you know, on a, on the job, you take a test and then, Oh, look at this. I got a high mark. I'm in the top 100. I'm going to be a 
lieutenant, I'm going to be a sergeant, whatever, you know. 100%. But um, so as time went on, when all those old school guys left, like the like your, like the Vietnam era veterans, who uh, I was a big big change. But but staying in in the transit was okay. I don't yeah. think I had it as bad as maybe uh, you know some of my friends that I knew that were cops that came on around the same time or a little after me or a little before me, you know? So uh, it was more of a cohesive togetherness. Yeah. So in, did in the transit. when you, your time in transit, was it solo patrol? Were you by yourself down there or they put you with somebody? No. It was, so what you did at that time, like, again, I don't know what they do now. You got assigned same thing as a sector, Right. So you get on the train. It's it's two cops to each train. Okay. So you go in eastbound. So you got two. Not in this. You could start out in the same car, but then you walk opposite directions yeah. of the length of the train, and then you come back, and they tell you like, just say, "I right, will get off at a uh, Hoyt Skimmerhorn or something," you know, yeah. and then we, and then we go on the other side and then do the same thing, and that's pretty much what you're doing. You tour, you know, same train or or the whole trains are. Well, it? whatever it is that night, like, um, uh, you don't do the whole train line. You do pay, okay, uh, me and you were, we're doing from Hoyt Skimmerhorn to, I don't know, High Street Brooklyn Bridge or something like that, you know, yeah, or yeah. from, from Broadway Junction to High Street Brooklyn Bridge. And then, well, then you also, you could be on the same train, but then that leads into another transit district too. So, you know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't, not just because it's the eight, like, take the eight train, it goes all the way from Far Rockaway, Queens, all the way to Manhattan. So you're yeah. not, you know. You're, not, so, you're getting off before you hit your boundaries or whatever. Yeah. Wherever, wherever you, you're, you have, right. You have an area and, or, the, or, you know, tomorrow night is just a platform. Yeah. You know, or, you know, you work in a day closer, right? You, you, you're going to go put, a, leave your street clothes on, get the color of the day, and then, you know, get all the, you know, guys jumping the fucking turnstiles, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, at, so. at, but at the time you do it, I just want to set the pitch. At the time you do it, it's, 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 it, the transit's a shithole. There's graffiti everywhere. There's homeless people everywhere. There's everywhere. heroin addicts everywhere. everywhere. Like, we're, we're like a daily tour. Like, what are you running into? Like, just, so you know. If, if you did the, if you did midnight to eight, you are literally cleaning up scales on the train. Because that's, the, that's, especially in the winter time. They're getting on a train. They're going to sleep. This, that, I mean, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, you're getting a call from the conductor. Like somebody say, "Hey, you got to get on." You know, the conductor's having a problem. And and at that time, the conductors walked in. If you remember, in and out of the car, they had to go out of the, the little uh, thing. They had to go into the other car. So now you, all right, you know, hey, you got to get down to you know Hoyt Skimmer. I just use that just for a minute. Got to get yeah. down to Hoyt Skimmer and the. The conductor's having a problem. They they got people out there, and then you go down there, and you're dealing with these fucking skulls. You're dealing with some homeless skulls, you know, some drug addicts. You know, um, you're, you're, you're standing by the, uh, at that time, we had token booth clerks, which is far and few in between now because they got the Metro card. Yeah. But, you know, if you, I don't know if you remember, there was a time when they were burning, they were dousing, they were spraying uh, gasoline in the token boots and the, to burn the token booth to get them out so they could get in and steal the money. So that was never, a big problem. I, I didn't know that that was going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, like a pattern. Like what what yeah. year range was that about? That was like 92, 93, somewhere around there. And it was a big thing. Yeah. 
And uh, so now you now you now you're down at you're staying at Broadway Junction at the token booth clerks on you know these fucking people just. I, I mean, just the subways at that time until Giuliani came and fixed it was terrible. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, and so you've seen that whole change, right? You've seen you were there Dinkins, right? You were there through the Dinkins era, yep. and then into the Giuliani comes in now. And like, what what would you notice like the biggest change with the Giuliani era with the, with the trains with the transit system? Well, it's believe it or not, it was starting early because the transit itself, the the graffiti was starting to come off. Uh, they were re- fair evasion was a big thing for the transit authority in the late eighties, early nineties. So, uh, it was already starting, you know, so that that was they wanted that cleaned up. And then when Giuliani came, it was like no hose water, right? Cops do your job, do your thing. We're getting homeless off the streets. We're getting homeless off the trains. You know, this is, you know, it, I mean, it didn't happen obviously right away, but it happened. And then that was it. Then it was clean. You know, people were yeah. going on, the, you know, they were able to ride the subways and, you know, uh, I think fair evasion was, I think at one time it was, it dropped like 30 something percent. On the, uh, you know, because you you caught them, they got a DAT, and then, <laughs> or if yeah. they had a, a warrant, uh, they go, they, yeah, they go through the system. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's not a, you know, <laughs> not like today. Not everybody's out in three hours. Everybody's out in three hours. You know, today, every, I, if they, if you even get arrested for it, if you know, because yeah, now I, they say now they say that's criminalizing. That's criminalizing poor, uh, being poor. Like that's what they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. I, I don't I know. know. I, I, I was yeah, poor. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I would expect right. if I jumped over the, the turnstile, I'm going to get arrested. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it is what it is. I wasn't that poor. I could have paid the, you know, <laughs> like you know. But you know what the funny, you know what the funny thing is, John. The best, because you you know you play games with these people, right? Uh, but I'm never playing guy, like a working guy that has the money that I know, like a guy. You know, you'd be surprised how many of them go through that gate you know guy yeah. in a suit and tie fuck you you're going you're, you're i'm not even playing games with you you know but the, yeah. you know the skills and stuff yeah we played a game with them but they knew it was a game yeah they there was no uh resisting in a sense like you, you know like you saw we saw last week with that that's that sickened me man I, but you know i never really had those altercations like that for the most part you know People respected you. They knew they were going to go through the system. They knew that, that nobody had their back, not the community, not the politicians, not not anybody, not the media. Nobody's going to look at them and, no. and feel bad for you. Nobody. No. They're going to be like, oh, he, it, it could be something simple as, oh, he mounted off to the cop. Oh, he mounted off to the cop? Oh, okay. And, right. and, and it would go, you know, it would go to the side. But, you know, you brought up the video. We watched that video the other day. Kid. He got a, he got arrested for a prior gun arrest. He gets released. He's out. He gets arrested for a robbery. He's out again. Now he hops a turnstile, and the, the two transit cops go to stop him and his girlfriend, and he's full on assaulting the transit guy. And you know, and nobody understands that man. Like this kid's, he puts the transit cop in a chokehold. Right, natural yep. reaction when you're fighting, but God forbid that cop did it. God forbid he did it. The police oh. commissioner would fire that kid in, yep. in a split second. The right. mayor would come out on TV crying of that. Yep. That even, even if nothing happened to the kid, and even with the you know we have the the diaphragm bill now that's in effect. Yep. Even if he puts pressure on the kid's mm-hmm. chest, 
intentionally or unintentionally, they fall to the ground. That that cop's liable. So yeah, people are, are like you know everybody's Monday morning quarterback in that kid. I think that yeah. I think the cop did a great job. Without I think a doubt. He, for I don't I I don't even know how anybody's out there doing it at this point because well, they're they're so civilly liable at this point I, and they're I criminally liable. I mean, I, you know, I, I you know, and that's and and you know, I, you I'm know gonna what get, I would, if I if know what I would do, you know, you know the gate I'm talking about where they yeah, walk through. Yeah. I'd hold the gate open for everybody. Come on. No, I would. You know what I'm saying? I would be like the yeah. usher at the movies. I'd hold the gate open for everybody. Come on in, yeah, take not, the train. I wouldn't because, even. No, because no one has your back. Don't waste my time. No one has your back. No, you know, and and it's I'll a scary you, thing you, to think. It's it is. You know, no, go no, ahead. It's tough. I, no, I was going to tell you. So a, a friend of mine that I go when I was a park, his daughter now is a cop in Midtown South. She goes on a domestic. This is a few weeks ago. She goes on a domestic. The guy was already arrested four times. For beating his wife, so they go, no they right, so they go, and it's my friend's daughter and her partner, and the wife says, "Listen, he's not here. He, if he, she says he has access to a gun. If he doesn't have the gun on him, he has access to the gun." They find the fucking guy, right? They arrest him. Out. Yeah. Crazy. The DA says, "This is what my friend's daughter's telling her for, you know." That they she says that well you didn't have the gun on him so you can't hold him so wait you so what do you be hold him on when he goes back and kills the wife eventually he's going to kill you know it as well as I do right Absolutely. he's domestic that's how it ends so this is what we're up against right now and and we'll go back to that police officer at with the fair beating but uh, the fair evasion I don't <laughs> say fair beating but if these people are going to do that to a police officer. What the hell do you think they're going to do to the average civilian? And they're doing it, right? You see it every day. Rico posts every day. You know, New Perp City every day. A, a, a subway, somebody in the subway, somebody on the street. They just got a, uh, I don't know, if, well, I know you're down in Florida, but there's a, a, a rapist in Brooklyn riding on his bike with an Uber bag and he's, and he's trying to, and he's trying, and he's raping women in the street. This, this is this is ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. It's if flawless. you sit here, if you sit here, tell me today that this world, this country, is better off because these people are empowered and you're a moron. You know, if the, if you could sit here honestly and tell me that everything is fine, and especially when, I, like, I know you saw and you could hear from your father, but I saw the worst in New York City, and then I saw the best in New York City, and now we're going backwards. Don't make any sense to me. Absolutely. Bill, Bill de Blasio, when he's the mayor, he says at one point, we have the least people in jail in New York City history and we're safer for it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, at, and at the same time, you know, a guy that, like who I respected for a long time, uh, Chief Monaghan, I respected him for a long time. Guy had a great career. I don't know what he did with Bill de Blasio. I don't know why he went in that direction. He starts turning around and saying, we know police and minor crimes doesn't keep us safe. We know that doesn't keep anyone safe. We know police and, you know, transit fares, uh, marijuana, drinking. And I'm like, I don't know that. I don't know that because I know I know when when they didn't do that and kids were hanging out in the park, kids were getting killed. And the minute that they came in and they and Giuliani did when I was a teen and they start the heavy hand of the, the police department comes in and they start policing broken windows, broken windows. They start doing all that stuff. 
you know, as much as it sucked for me not to be able to hang out in the park and throw a party every night and have keg parties and, and 50, 60 of us hanging out drinking and girls everywhere. Yeah, it sucked, right? But nobody was getting killed. There were nope. no massive brawls. The guys were going to work every day. People lived normal. We, we, were, we, were, almost, we were a civil society at that point. You know, by the time I'm, I'm 20 years old, New York City is safe, man. I, I take the train. I was going out 3, 4 in the yep. morning. Jobs were everywhere. Jobs were everywhere. And, I could get a job $100,000 like this. And with, John. With nothing. With no don't, education. Don't forget, Giuliani didn't win because all Republicans voted for him. Pe- the people of New York City didn't want to see Think because we saw if Dinkins would have got reelected again, would have been this would have been over a long time ago. Yep. No. Yeah. My, you know? my yeah. My parents were Democrats. I mean, my whole neighborhood was Democrats. Everybody. All, all the Italians were Democrats, yep. right? That that was, and I remember them telling me that when I was a kid. Oh, Democrats for the working man, and you know the Democrats then were a lot different than they are. Without a doubt. You know, like I know, like. You know, I, I, you know, I think the Cuomo's a piece of shit. The two brothers, but Mario Cuomo was a good guy. You know, I was just going to tell you, John. My mother worked for Mario Cuomo. Yeah, he was she a great worked guy. in it. She worked because, first of all, it's an Italian at the time, and he was from immigrants. So, people like my parents. I'm sure maybe your father, your grandparents. I'm not. I don't know, but I know my parents and my family. He was a god, Mario Cuomo. But again, there wasn't this anarchy. You know, the, like you said, the Democrats back then, you could talk, they could talk with each other. The Democrats, you know, let's get something done. Let's do this. Let's, but it's totally gone crazy. Totally. Everybody was kind of in the middle. They were a little to the left. The Republicans were a little to the right. Everybody supported the police. Everybody. Nobody, nobody supported criminals. <laughs> nobody, know nobody, nobody. nobody supported criminals. Now no. today, you know, now today, that kid's supposedly the victim, that kid that assaults that cop. Is it's society's fault? Society failed him. Yeah, society's fault. And that's what Alvin Bragg said. Alvin Bragg, Alvin Bragg said, "Oh, we got guys getting arrested seven, eight times. That's because that was seven, eight times we failed to connect him to services. I don't know any service that's going to help that kid other than throwing his ass in jail, putting him around fucking badass guys, and him realizing he's not a gangster. If he wants to be a gangster, he can stay in jail, work his way up the ranks in jail." Like, if he doesn't want to be part of the society, he shouldn't be. But today, his voice is better than your voice. His yeah. voice is better than that cop's well, voice. And it, it's fucking bullshit. It, it really is. It's bullshit. It's complete yeah. bullshit. It's not only his voice. It's everybody else voicing for him. Yeah. Like you said before, nobody, I don't care if you were a Democrat or whatever, you, especially DAs, but they wanted to put people behind bars, keep people. They wanted convictions. They didn't let him go, let him go. What do you mean let him go? I don't. Yeah. He didn't use the gun. Get the. What does that mean? So yeah. so tomorrow. It's okay if he uses it tomorrow. I don't understand. You know. Yeah. And 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 all under the premise that the police department's racist. You know. You know. I'm yeah, supposedly. I'm I'm the closest thing to the evil white guy in the police department, right? right. I'm second generation. I'm second generation Italian American. Uh, you know. So I'm the I'm the I'm the I'm the, I'm the evil white man. But I'm I'm in the small minority of cops now. Most of most of the cops. Are either immigrants or yep. they're black, Hispanic, Chinese, Indian, you know, they're first or second generation, or they're right off the boat yeah. immigrants. And, it's probably and, the most it's probably the most diverse police department in the world, definitely I, in the country. That's I I, 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 and my day, I think it's the most diverse organization in the world. Yeah. In the world. Which, like which you don't is okay. Have, I don't I don't have I don't care about that. No, no, you know, I don't care either. I, but like to sit there and now say 
right. these guys are racist and yeah. they're locking up, they're in a black neighborhood and they're locking up blacks at a higher rate than they're locking up whites. Of course they are because they're in a black neighborhood. If they're in an Italian neighborhood, who are they going to lock up at a higher rate than everybody else? <laughs> but, but if you're in a, like, you're in a, uh, please, I don't, we, we, we could, we're going to rack our brains out. Right. And we sit here every day as normal human beings, right? We only, what do we want, right? Even in those neighborhoods, the projects, there's people in there. They just wanted to get by day by day. Hopefully the kids, God forbid, don't get caught up in the, in the bullshit. You know, you know it as well as I do, right? You can't tell me that even those people in those neighborhoods don't want the police to be doing their job. Absolutely they do. You know what I mean? I bet you if you go and do a poll, if you go do a poll in the Marcy projects, I guarantee you seventy five percent of the people that are living there want Higher. police to Higher. Yeah, well you know yeah, absolutely. Higher. You know who doesn't want it? The politicians will put play that, the media will play it up, the criminal and some ignorant idiots. But every everybody I I, I you know, I, I I don't know anyone that wants this. I don't know any civilized human being that wants this. You know, 90% of the people that live in high crime neighborhoods live there because they were born there. Their families were there. They, you know, they don't, you know, and that's what they know. So they they kind of stay in that neighborhood, which, you know, just like you, you grew up in Ozone Park. You're still there, right? Like you went through so many changes in there. And this is them. They're ingrained into that neighborhood, but they don't want this. They don't want to worry about their kid playing basketball and getting exactly. shot. You know, it's it, and it's and it's fucking crazy. And and the, the same the same reasoning that they're telling us that that they're going, that's taking a step back from crime, is is really to me, it's a it's a fuck you to the minority community. It's a fuck you. We're not policing you. We're not gonna we're not gonna take yeah. the criminal element out of you. And then neighborhoods are getting worse. Or like you said, all these neighborhoods that turned right, the pink houses. That not that the pink houses were ever the best. You could walk over there at a point. Yeah. Now it's a shithole again. No. You know what? Uh, I I just don't understand when you sit here and they sit and these Democrats tell you they're for the the African American community. Meanwhile, their schools are the worst, right? Their neighborhoods are drug ridden, crime ridden. You know, people are dying, but they never fix it. They yeah. never fix it, right? No. So who are you bullshitting and? You know, I don't in New York City. For I worry if if Coco's going to win this thing, she's going to. I feel she's going to win. You know, and because the these people in New York City just going to vote Democrat no matter what, and nothing changes, nothing changes, and okay. I don't know. I don't know how you don't see that. I don't know how you get up every when you see the news and and you know, in most like you said in these neighborhoods, the guy the guy. That's riding on the bike with the Uber bag, raping women is not a white supremacist. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. He's a piece you of know. shit. He's nobody. He's a piece of yeah, shit. No, right. He's, he's right. somebody that probably has six or seven arrests that he should be in jail for, but we let him out for whatever right. reason, for whatever right. social service reason, you know? Um, you know, but like, what, what do you see? Like, what do you see for New York? Like, my, my thing is this. Like, I was always told, don't even vote. Your vote doesn't count. Your vote doesn't count in New York. It doesn't matter. And I well, think that's a bunch of bullshit, bro. You yeah, know, because I'll think- tell you right now, the, the first de Blasio election, when he came in, he was dogging the cops and he had his son. He was running his son around with the Afro. Oh, look, this yeah. is my black son. And my so the worst thing that ever happened to him was a cop drove, drove by him slow. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
Your son? If I if I saw your son and someone came up to me and told me your son robbed him, I'd be like, bro, go take a karate class. Don't right. like that. There's no way that kid robbed you. If that kid yeah. robbed, like, yeah, like so, no cops profiling your son, Bill. So no. just so aware, well, just so aware, aware, you know. Right. And, and, he, and he ain't living in a neighborhood where they're going to be profiling him anybody. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're living exactly. in that. Part, yeah. Was that part of Brooklyn where they live? You know what I'm talking about. I forget it. Yeah, anyway. he, was in, he was in Williamsburg, and then yeah, yeah. he has his kids went to the top tier schools yeah, that, yeah. that my kids and your kids can't yeah. get into. Never got into my kids. Yeah. And, oh. and, you know, and he came in, and at that time, I'm telling all the guys, I'm a young sergeant, I'm like, make sure you vote. This, you know, this is a crazy election. It's who hates the cops more, you know? Dude, I go to work, nobody voted. No. Nobody. So that's, that's the thing we talk about at the corner. There's a lot of guys come and go. You know, and they're all complaining. So one day, this was over. This was before the mayor election. So me and my friend Dennis says, well, who votes? There was 12 of us there, John. It was me, Dennis, and another guy. Three of us out of 12 vote that are registered to vote. So what are you complaining about? Now you're going to sit here and complain about Eric Adams and all sort of crap, but you don't vote. So, and and uh, as I don't know if you know or not, but I think I could be wrong in the exact number. I think it was only one and a half million people was, voted for the mayor. Right. Yeah. And listen, Curtis Lee, the guy's a jerk. Right. I can't take a grown man seriously with a beret on his head. His whole, you know, so he, he wasn't a serious candidate. He said even. Well, I never worked at Adams. Obviously, I know a lot of cops that did. They all they, they know who he really is. But he said the right things. People actually thought because he was a cop that he was going to bring back law and order. And he's just doing nothing. He's doing nothing. He's and doing exactly to... what he did in his police career. He's doing yeah, the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's what he was an empty said. suit. He was an empty yep. suit. And he's he's an empty suit now as a mayor. He's out hanging yeah. out at night with his boyfriends. And that's right. all he's really doing. His boyfriend, the bishop, did you see that he got robbed yeah, yeah, yeah. a million right. dollars? He's hanging out with that dude who did six years in jail, who right. I think I, I, there's an accusation of him now that he scammed like a like a, an elderly woman at a ninety thousand dollars her sure entire life savings. You know, but he's a man of God with a million dollars in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, good. And, and, and to me, I, when I see that video, I'm, I'm like, how much did he insure that jewelry for? How oh. much is that jewelry insure for? And and did he set that thing up because he owes much, somebody that. money and he yep. wants that insurance shop? I don't even believe that he got robbed. And if he did, good, because you're out there robbing yeah. people. I don't even give a shit. Right. I really don't. Yep. <laughs> He's robbing people every day. Every yeah. day. Yeah, you're robbing every people day. every day. Yeah, yeah. 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 On, on, and fleecing them, too. Like, yeah, and, yeah. and November comes... Lee Zeldin's got to win in New York. He's got to be he's, because if that don't happen, then we have no chance. And then come November again with the rest of the country, if it isn't a red wave, John, the country's, I mean, it could be finished now, but I mean, we see it in Texas and Virginia. You see these Hispanics that are now, listen, the Hispanics, are like the way the Italians were 40 years ago, 50 years Absolutely. ago. They're, they're up and coming, hardworking, you know, Absolutely. Catholic, you know, they go to church, they work hard. And you saw that Maya Flores winning in South Texas, 100 and some years, Democrat rule, she wins. That other woman, I forget her name, uh, it's not vague, I could be wrong, she wins in Virginia. They want, the people are taken back, they want to take everything back, and hopefully, that happens in November, and then we start getting the other crumbs out, like Lindsey Graham and all these other pieces of garbage, because they're all on the same swamp rats, all of them. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, listen, 
I was sitting here knocking the Democrats, but you know, you follow me on Twitter. We talk on Twitter all the time. Yep. I I smash, you know, and I supported Malitakis. I support Borelli. I support Paladino. I support all these guys. I really do, but they're not doing. They're not. No. I mean, and I know they don't have the numbers to do it, but even without that, they're still not sending them. They're playing nice in the sandbox. Yeah. They're voting along with them. They're doing bipartisanship. Vicky Paladino, she actually, I you know, I'm, I don't mean to throw your name in there. You are, you are the strongest voice there is right now in New York City. Like, that's it. So- she is. That's it. And, 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 and I still say she's not doing enough. So, I mean, no. like, you know. Um, I and, said that. Yeah, we'll go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I don't live in Staten Island, but I sent, but Joe Borelli's on the city city council. And I sent him a, 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 tech, uh, a Twitter thing with, I said, Joe, t- tell me why, like, what, why, I understand you don't have enough people on the city council, but isn't there some other legal way that the Republicans that are running New York City and running New York State can file court? Uh, Absolutely, you know, I can't. You, I can't see that. There's no other way than just waiting for people to get votes. Like, to, I can't. You can't tell me that you can't go and and put a court order or an injunction on Alvin Bragg or some of these, uh, you know, DAs out there in the state that are destroying. I, you can't tell me. But and what's Joe Borelli posting all week? Like a twelve year old pitches on a vacation. You're a, you're a freaking elected official. Yeah. I don't really give a fuck. You're on vacation. I mean, go enjoy your vacation. I, I'm not saying that, but I don't need to be seeing pictures of you. I'm asking you to take care of the city, not ah, whatever. No, no, the city's burning. And, and you know, but what really bogged me is that that's what they tell you, right? They're on the news. They talk. They're talking heads. They go yeah. on the news. They talk shit. They do a good job at that. But yep. they're not the news. They're not broadcasters. You're not ESPN on the sidelines. You're in the game. But yet you're sitting on the bench saying, oh, this has nothing to do with me. And you're yep. sitting there and you're talking about it like we're doing right now. But my, I can't go, get up there and vote. I don't have the, the, the reach to grab all these people and organize. And the same way that, that when they came in with that, they were going to let non-citizens vote in New York City. They, dude, they, they raised funds right then and there. They raised funds right then and there. They threw a lawsuit in and they won. And I was like, oh, look how. Look how easy it is when your right. job's on the line. Look right. how easy it is when your salary's yep. on the line. Yep. But guys like me, guys that, you know, all, all these thousands in New York City with this illegal discriminatory vaccine mandate, they played dumb. They just yep. went out. They either got their own religious exemptions and they're fine, or they went out and they showed their vax cards to everybody. Yep. And they were like, oh, yeah, I'm anti-mandate. You're not anti-mandate to me. Like, to me, you should have stood with me. You should have been like, isn't it abhorrent that this kid could go to a job and 911 and he can't, but he can't sit in the restaurant with his family. Like, well, you, you know, know, the funny thing is the whole, the, at the height of the pandemic, the nurses, the fine, the cops, right? Everybody, <laughs> transit workers, they worked without any kind of vaccination, without anything. And then you're going to tell them two years later that they got to get it or they get fired. Get the hell out of here. They're all full of crap. But you know what everybody should have did? John, this is what it, this is what is because see, I'm I'm going to fight you, you know. I I'm going to do what I got to do. I'll stand up. They all should have walked off the job. Every Absolutely. everybody shut Absolutely. the city down. Take your tail law and go f yourself with it, because if you don't fight back and stand up, right? Because this is what they do. They pit everybody against each other, right? Where was the unions yeah, taking us to court? They didn't do none. Nobody, yeah. none of the unions. They did nothing. And nothing. you also want to know. This is, uh, and people can Google this. I believe the transit authority lost the most people to COVID deaths during this time because they didn't shut down the subways at all. 
they didn't they made these guys come to work the the transit you know the conductors the bus drivers they made them come to work and they lost i think over 120 em, uh, employees in the transit authority uh, because they didn't close anything. And you know as well as I do, where's all these people going? They're going in the subways, they're sleeping in there, they're on the, they're riding, and everything was free. And like you said, right, when you make everything free, you, you're you going to bring the worst of the worst. Do you know, I don't know if you remember this, when I first got on the job, uh, they had, on New Year's Eve, they could ride the buses and subways for free, so nobody went drunk driving. I think that I lasted that, two yeah. years. It lasted that. two years. Yeah, I think it lasted two years because so many assaults were happening with the bus drivers, you know, the conductors, and because you're getting now, who are you putting on the train now? Oh, now everybody idiots. knows yeah. it's free, right? Oh, yeah. it's free. I can go on a train, and I can't tell you how. I think it lasted two years. So this is what I'm saying. The the bro, see Giuliani knew what was wrong with New York City because he was he was uh, the prosecutor, uh, you know, and he said broken windows. Right? You you can't have you. Like here, perfect example. When my kids were small, I see a piece of garbage in front of my house or on my neighbor's front. I tell my son, pick it up. He goes, that's not in front of our house. I says, no, it's not in front of our house now. But another hour when the wind blows, it's going to be in front of my house. So why don't you stop it from getting bad? You know, this is the whole point of the broken windows policy, right? Like, you know, the minor, the minor stuff, the pot smoking, the beer drinking, all this other stuff in the parks and everything. You need to... you need, you control that, and then you start controlling the quality of life. Like, that's what Giuliani did. And Bloomberg, to his credit, kept it up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's that's how you police. That's that's my uh, – I've seen it work firsthand. I've seen it as a kid. I've seen it in the police department. You were in the police department with the shift. You grew up in an even worse version of New York City than I did. You know, it started getting a little better when I came in. I was born in, in 1980. You know, it got a little better. But, like, you know, now, you know, last last month or two months ago, they're, they're talking about the reduction in shooting. All oh, shootings are down. We took 3,600 guns off the street this year. And to me, I'm like, that's a failure. I'm like, because, first of all, we're a soft police department now. We don't proactively police. So these guys are going to regular jobs that they're not going out and tossing people on the street like when we did with the broken windows. And yep. when you, were, you were grabbing guys on the turnstile and they had a gun on them. Or I was grabbing kids smoking pot or pills or whatever it may be. And they had weapons on them. These kids at that time didn't carry. They stopped carrying because they were scared. Everyone in New York City yep. stopped carrying. They only came out when they had a ton of money on them or to shoot somebody. And that yep. was very rare. And they were afraid when they did it. And you know, to me, 3,600 gun arrests isn't something to brag about. It's it's a failure. It shows it shows how brazen people are. If we locked up 3,600 people with firearms right now, when we're not proactively policing, anti crime's gone. All these all of these little crimes and quality of life things that we police, we no longer police. Then that, how many people are really carrying guns? Then? Oh, that forget. means that how many like. <laughs> There's, there's more than 3,600 people a day probably carrying illegal oh, firearms. Right, but Hochul's answer to it, what's Hochul's answer? Oh, I'm going to restrict your ability to get a gun. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. do a social media check on Pete. And maybe Pete said he liked Donald Trump. Or maybe Pete supports the police. Or maybe Pete is voting for Lee Zeldin. And now I don't like him. So and now, now Pete's not going to be able to get a gun. Now hasn't done anything his whole life. Served this country honorably. Was a, was a, a retired police officer. 
Like that that's who she's going. That's that's right. what is going on right now. Well tell me tell me what what criminal is gonna abide by the laws. None. None. <laughs> Shut up. up. Yes. Strict the gun laws. Okay. And why? Yeah, they're not going to jail. I mean, I, I know if it's me, they're going to throw the, the book at me if it's you. You know, I saw they locked up some, uh, they locked up a fireman, uh, a black guy. He's, he was a fireman for 27 years. He lives in Long Island, never been in trouble in his whole life. He, he like 3D printed a receiver. He's a firearm enthusiast. The guy goes to the range. He like 3D printed it like a receiver for one of his guns and like right. made his gun a little different. I didn't see the that. Guy, yeah. The guy's not going to hurt nobody. The guy, the gun's going to collect absolutely. dust in his house, but they raid his house early in the morning, Nassau, and it's all over the news. Oh, we got this guy. They did everything but call the guy a white supremacist. Uh, you know, he's a black guy, fireman, serves the city, by all means a good citizen, a good neighbor. He's not a danger to anybody that lives next door to him. But that guy's going to get the fucking book thrown at him. Yeah. And and that kid that just got locked up with a legal firearm that goes and does the robbery and then goes punches a cop in the face. And God knows what else this kid is going to do next. God only knows. He's doing it now. Whatever he's doing, he's doing now. There's no consequences for him. No, There's none. no consequences for him. There's only con- – New York has went away from and, – and that's why I left, dude, because I got two little girls – you know, my, you know, and I'm just, I'm worried. I'm like, you know, I don't know. I, I'm like, I don't family, know. John. Yeah. I was like, you know, first of all, I couldn't work in the city anyway. Cause I still didn't take the vaccine. So I, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't get a job if I wanted to, but you know, so I had no choice. I had to leave. And I was like, you know, I, but, but on the other end of it, I was scared for my kids. I'm like, this city's changing, you know, and even my wife, she was scared. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to pack up my shit, I, you know? And, and it sucks. Cause I never thought I would leave New York. But my neighborhood changed so much, man. It wasn't the neighborhood I grew up in. All my yeah. friends left. Um, and it was, it was, I was like, what am I doing here? I'm the last idiot here. I can't even work here. I was like, what the fuck? What am I doing? I was like, I don't feel safe for my kids to go play in the park. It wasn't like when I was a kid. I was out yeah. to all hours of the night, you know, but everybody was around. My neighbors were around. And now New York City is protecting criminals and taking guys, good people, and, and making them, you know, so I, I really don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I, to me, I think it's just a vote thing, you know. Yeah, you got to get out there and vote. Start, start with the governor. Get get her out and put Lee Zeldin in. That's how we got to start. Uh, you know, I don't know how else to do it right now, you know. Yeah. No. yeah he, I mean, once you get that in there and, and, he, and if he has the ability by law to get rid of the DAs, then well, that's the start right then and there, you know. So. So I, I'll take it back. You're a young guy. You just get out of the military or you're in the military. 21 right now, right now at this moment in time. Eric Adams is the mayor. Holchel's the Holchel's the governor. No. Are you signing up to take the cop job? No. If you're on the cops, are you are you looking at this as a long term career? Well, I just can tell you by the young guy. I I tell you my sons took the test and I told them don't take the job because it sucks. I got uh, my son-in-law's brothers on a job. The poor kid's got eight years. Where's he going? He hates yeah. the job. Hates uh, it. Right? He, eight years, he hates the job. Um, uh, my friend's daughter's in Midtown South. Midtown She's South is an A house again. Midtown South has higher crime numbers than the 7-5 right now. It's, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. Right. And that, and that was, uh, uh, she's only got a few years on a job. Uh, you know, she, she hates it. Uh, I have a, uh, a friend of mine's daughter was, she was NYPD for six years. She got lucky. She's in the Academy now for Suffolk County. So she was so happy to get out. But uh, 
yeah, I wouldn't. I thought I'm. I, I'm glad my sons didn't take it. Uh, they actually called them twice, you know, to, yeah. to get to, for the job, and they're doing better off their carpenters in local forty five. Yeah, they're making tons of money, and they're learning the skill. They're, they're better off than I than I was at their age. Yeah, and they're not working weekends and holidays nope. and out there all night. And, nope. you know, their right. wife isn't going to worry where their husband is all yep. night and be like, oh, I want to go out. You're never home. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and but but at the same token, that's a shame. Right. Because your sons are the guys that should be on the job. Right. They grow up in Ozone Park. They know this city. They are the city. And that's the people that chasing off this job. And yeah. And, yeah. And you're going to start like the, all the shit they said about us, it's, which isn't true. Right. Because you're still a neighborhood guy. Right. I don't care that you're not employed as a cop anymore. Right. You're in front of that deli. I know that if you were there and all the guys around there, I know that my wife's safe to go walk there. My kids are safe to go. John, there. You know, the neighborhood now is, I would say, about 50, 60 percent Hispanic and the rest of it, like people like me or even yeah. older that stay there. That deli, the kids come by. There's a school down a block. All the kids, the parents come by picking up their kids. The, all the kids come, they high-five us, Spanish kids, white kids. Even if there's a couple of black kids in the neighborhood, you know, families, they all come by, they high-five us. The kids know they can leave their bike in the front, right? They go into the store. Sometimes even the mothers, they got a carriage. Oh, you mind what? You know, I want to bring the carriage in. We, they know nothing's going to happen. And it don't matter. We're, we're there. That's a neighborhood store. So I don't care if your last name is is Rodriguez or Vitali or Johnson. You're in that neighborhood. It's it's not it's not a poor neighborhood. A, a house just sold them on my mother's block for six hundred thousand dollars. So whoever's buying that house is doing pretty good in life, you know. Yeah. So everybody in that neighborhood, like you said, the guy who owns the deli never says nothing because we're always out. I mean, we buy everything from there, but anything happens. We've stopped a lot of stuff going on in that store. Fights. We walk. It ain't happening. People know. They don't. They think we're. They think we're mob guys. They don't. They don't. They don't even know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's me, two retired sanitation guys, <laughs> a, 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 a retired fireman, uh, who Frankie worked. Uh, Frankie was his uh, uh, armor truck guy. He he retired. Uh, another guy, UPS guy. None of us. Uh, all workers, but we sit there, we're all retired and we have, like we're doing now, we're trying to solve the world problems, you know? Yeah, no, but uh, but you're there, your presence is there, your neighborhood guys, your neighborhood kids, you, you're you the people, you're, you're still policing right now, even though, you know, even though you've been off the job, you've been retired, you served 20 years in the military, you served 23 years uh, walking a beat as a transit cop, and now, you know, you're, you're still serving and, and you know, Honestly, I feel like the Democrats, they pushed me out. I should have been, I should have did another 10 years in the police department. I should have did been a 30-year guy. I should have went up the ranks. Uh, everybody loved me. I was, you know, I was New York City. Like, my neighbors loved yep. me. The community loved me. Even the, even the kids I locked up, you know, I was never, you know, I never treat. Once it was over and we were calm and we were back at the precinct, I didn't treat you like a jerk off. I didn't talk to you like a jerk yep. off, you know, and I ran into, I ran into guys I locked up all the time when I'd be with my wife and my kids. They'd be like, Hey man, how you doing? Sorry about that. Blah, 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 blah. Never a problem. You know what I mean? Never a problem. And I locked up hundreds of guys. I did anti-crime my whole career, you know, and cause I'm a neighborhood guy, right? Like I, I care about my community just like you. Right. And, and it's a shame that this is what's going on now. When I, yeah. when I, and just what you're saying, 
all my friends are still on the job. And I know guys in details, they got crazy jobs. They got the money as lieutenants, as sergeants, they're yeah. second grade, first grade detectives. These guys are making a ton of money. They work their way all the way up there in the upper echelon of the police department, and they hate it. They can't yeah. wait to get out. Everybody's talking about, I got to get out of New York. I got to get out of New York City. I got to do what you did. I got kids calling me all the time. How do I vest out? And I tell them all. I'm like, listen, don't do what I did. You know, don't do what I did. Make, you know, if you can't do it any longer, then if if if, if it's something that, you know, you're starting to think about, like, uh, my where's my life going? Then then you leave the job, right? Like, because they're going to do everything else. But it's a shame what's going on, man. Um a, a couple more questions. I, I got you over now in 15 minutes. I want to keep you all the time. I just got a couple more questions for you. I bring you back then. I bring you back then. You're coming out. You're in the military. You take the job back then. You do it all over again? I would do that all over again, yes. At the time, you did it? Yes. But you wouldn't do it now? No. If I, um, if I was like my son's age now or kids yeah. today, no. Yeah, me no. neither. I say the same thing. I say the same thing. I would, I, I would do it a hundred percent again at the time I did it. I would not sign up now. And I'll tell you, if I was a young guy and I had eight years on, I'd be looking for all the career options. Yeah, I really would because it's uh, like, why be miserable? You know, that you know, it, it's such a tough job as it is. But we always had fun. You know, I always had yep. fun. You know, with with everyone I worked with, every ethnicity, we made fun of each other. There's no yep. racism. You know, uh, you know, I was a dirty grease ball. You know, yep. whoever was whatever. Like, though, it was all in jest. These people eat at my house. Their kids play with my kids. We go out drinking together. We go to sports games together. We play sports together. We we risk our lives together, right? We we try to keep each other's neighborhood safe together. Without a doubt, you know, we help each other whenever we can. Yo, I got a problem in my house. Do you can help me out? Yeah, no problem, right? And you know, so, you know, so like the job was great to me. I, I loved it. New York City. I love New York City. I'm worried about it. I really am. If uh, you could tell something to to the mayor right now, if the mayor was listening right now, Mayor Adams is listening. What, what could you say to him? Just a regular New Yorker, not a retired I would, cop. I would, tell, yeah. I would tell Eric Adams, get off your high horse. Do what you said you were going to do during your campaign. Right. Do do something you didn't do as a cop and take control of the city and and back your police officers, because if you don't back them, then the whole city's in trouble, not just the cops. The whole city's in trouble. You, If he can't see what's going on by just reading the newspapers. I want him I want him to step up and do his job, do what he said he was going to do during his campaign speeches. That's it. No, I think that's fair. I, he said he came on, he ran on a tough on crime platform. He's he still till today. He'll get up. He'll make a lot of fancy speeches. He'll say a lot of right things. His campaign was brilliant. He ran it brilliantly. Yep. You know, it was all the right things. Everything was the right thing. Everything. Oh, we're going to be tough on crime. We're going to bring back anti-crime. We're yep. going to do all this stuff. But we changed no policy. You know, no. still till today, this kid can't touch somebody's chest. You know, half these laws, the city appealed. And they could have pulled the appeal. They could have, he could have rewritten the policy. And like, everyone's like, oh, he could only do so much as the mayor, which is true and not true. There are a lot of things that he could do. Listen, we know for a fact that Giuliani did it. I don't care who's on the city council. You know, they want to say the city council. Yeah, the city council, but you're the mayor. At the end of the day, you're the mayor. And you got, and you said you want to, you, he's another guy grew up here in New York city, right? Immigrant from immigrant. I, I don't know if he himself, but definitely immigrant parents 
and and his I don't know. How do you he's, not want to take care of your city? He's just like me and you, so I don't understand why we're letting kids shoot each other. Why we're saying that these kids that are out here shooting each other, oh, we got to worry about giving them an on-ramp. We got to give shooters an on-ramp while you're chasing guys like me and you and your sons out of the city. You are. Like, you're chasing us out for what? You know? Right. And, and you know, I, I, like, so I, that, that's the thing that boggles my mind. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, he's from the city, but he's not like me and you. Because no. I know you, I know you're going to try to, t- and same with me, we're going to try to do the right thing, even if it's, even if it's something, oh, you know, I didn't believe it in it first, let me, let me, let me revamp it, let me, maybe this works, let's try something else. We're not trying anything. We, ha- we haven't changed one thing, we're not doing anything right. different than what we did on the Bill de Blasio. And, and you see it, you know, and everyone's leaving, you know, school systems, losing kids, the police yeah. departments leaving in droves. Oh, um, it. It's crazy, man. It's, it's nuts. And, um, and you know, as well as I do in, in, in the following years, they'll lower the standards to become a police officer. And then what do we have? And, and they just did, right. They, they pulled away the run, the, the run. It's a, it does, so for people that don't know to get to become a cop, they, they made the run. I think it's a mile and a half in 15 minutes. You could walk. A yeah. mile and a half in 15 minutes right. without a problem. They drop that as a requirement. Yeah. Which is insanity. Because if you look at the cops that were coming out, even like even at my well, not really my class, they would fail you out. But a couple of years after my classes, if you look at the guys that were coming out then, you would be like, How the hell is this guy? How'd this guy pass the academy? You right. know, and and you know, I, 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 and there's gotta be standards, man. There just has to, you know, and and uh, I keep saying, you know, me and my friend, we got a joke. I'm like, next thing you know, when you're going to give a guy a DAT, a desk appearance ticket, which everyone gets a desk appearance ticket now. When I was a cop, yep. nobody got a desk appearance ticket. <laughs> like, that was like, that was a rarity. You know, even if you knew somebody, we were like, I fuck them, put them through the system anyway. You know, parents would yeah. call up, I fuck them, put them through the system. You know, like, it, it just, that's what it was. It was like, a, you know, it was like, you're going to learn to not be a gangster. Or if you're going to be a gangster, yep. you'll figure it, you figure it out in prison. You could go live like the gangsters do. And, you know, so now we, we, we joke that on the desk appearance ticket, because when you're giving a guy a desk appearance ticket, you got to go through all these checks. Does he have a warrant? And even now, if he has a warrant, still yep. release him. Oh, does he have ID? Oh, no. Even if he doesn't have ID now, you can still release him. Yep. Like all these crazy things. So now I'm saying on the DAT packet, they're going to put, oh, did you offer him a job? 212 recruit. Did you ask him to take the test? Because yep. that's where we're getting to. Yep. You know, and, and it's crazy. And, and you know, as, as someone that, that was locked up as a kid, maybe I'm not the best example to talk about it, but I wasn't a bad kid. I didn't get a, right. I got locked up for quality of life, drinking in the yeah. park. Stupid Stupidity. shit. Stupid yeah. shit. Just a dumb kid. I, you know, we didn't have woods to go hang out in. We were hanging out in the park and the cops were there and that was it. Like, you know, right. I didn't have any place to hide, you know? So like I, I was, I got, and I got the brunt of Rudy Giuliani and, and I still was like, you know what? He cleaned the city up and I'm like, how could I? How could I not like this? I, I, I could go out three, four in the morning. Nobody's bothering yep. me. I'm not worried about my mother walking on the block. I'm not worried about my sisters. You know, like, why, why wouldn't I, you know? Um, so, Pete, I'm not going to keep you all night, but anything you want to talk about, any, anything you want to say, uh, your message to anybody, whatever you want, whatever you want to talk about, your time. Well, th- so, I mean, if people see me on Twitter, I, I mean, I love my country. I'll. I, like you asked me, do it all over again. Yes, I care about my community, and I know there's a lot of people out there like me and you. You got to see what's going on, and if you don't vote the right way, you got to vote through. I'm not even saying whether it's Republican, but you. Everybody knows that this is not right. 
we need to fix it. And the only way we're going to fix it now is come November, get all of these people out of there, put in Lee Zeldin as the governor, and let's hope for the best and start from there. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm supporting Lee Zeldin too. I, I don't see any anything good coming out of putting Holchlin. You know? No. So, so, all right, Pete, one more time. Where can we find you? Peter Anthony 96 on Twitter. Peter Anthony 96 on Twitter. He's a great follow. He puts a lot of videos out. He'll talk about anything that's going on. And the Delhi Chronicles are my favorite. And the Delhi Chronicles are good too. I love it. <laughs> Actually, do. that's old New York, man. That's old New York. That's old school that's American. It. You know, Pete, I really thank you for coming on. I uh, thank thanks, you. John. I thank I appreciate you for it. You know, definitely we'll keep in touch. You can definitely come on again. You know, whenever anything's popping off, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll was, talk about it. It was a great time. Great pleasure, John. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it, man. You got it. Good night. Good night, man.